This is the Hiking Through Life podcast. We've all been gifted a journey called life. Let's see where the journey leads us today. Are you looking for some wool for your little ones on your next adventure? Try Ella's Wool. We've been using Ella's Wool since Rory was two months old, and I can say that he's always snug and cozy when he's in his Ella's Wool on our outside adventures. The moisture wicking material is sure to keep your little one comfortable on their next adventure. Whether it's around the block or trekking to the top of a mountain, Ella's Wool will have your little ones covered. Use code HIKINGTHROUGHLIFE2020 to save 10% off your order. Go to ellaswool.com and use the code HIKINGTHROUGHLIFE2020 to save 10% off your next order. Welcome to the Hiking Through Life podcast, where we talk with people who in some way, shape, or form have been influenced by the outdoors. I'm Andy, the producer of this podcast, and my lovely wife, Sarah, will be your host. Together, we make up Hiking Through Life. This podcast is all about bringing all kinds of people who are inspired by the outdoors and sharing their stories. We hope that by sharing people's stories, it inspires others to get out and live a more meaningful life. Tune in every week for new episodes, or better yet, subscribe to the Hiking Through Life podcast on your favorite podcast provider. If you enjoy this podcast, please share it with others. Also, if you have a story to share, or know of anyone who might be interested in being a guest on this podcast, head on over to hikingthroughlife.net slash podcast and get in touch with us. Now sit back and enjoy this week's episode. Welcome to the Hiking Through Life podcast. Today we are joined by Nina Meehan. If you've experienced the benefits of the outdoors, one of them is probably the simple art of being disconnected from technology. Nina's work focuses on connecting people in our increasingly digital world. Camping, road tripping, and hiking have played an important role in her family's creative spirit and connections with one another. We are here to see how creativity has had an influence on her family's lifestyle, inside and out. Welcome to the podcast, Nina. Thank you so much for having me. Yes. So I always love to start a podcast with hearing people's backgrounds and how they kind of got into the outdoors and where they are today. So what are some of your like earliest memories of being outdoors? So I grew up in Berkeley, California. So like we were outdoors a lot. My earliest memories are, you know, our backyard summer camp in uh, the hills above my family's house, like lots of just kind of forest play. Like that was always like a part of what we did as kids. Um, and then I started camping. My, I went camping a couple times with my parents, but I had a best friend who took me camping every year with her family starting in fourth grade, like through eighth grade for two weeks every summer. And that experience like really harnessed my love of not just dabbling in the outdoors, but being in the outdoors. But I mean, my parents, like, you know, we were hiking when we were, you know, just as basically as soon as we could walk, we were hiking. Like that was very normal for us. I love it. I love it. Yeah. That's, that's very normal for us too. As our, we have a little baby, as I just showed you, like we, we started hiking, like three weeks after he was born. 
that's extremely impressive. I was not hiking three weeks after any, I have three kids. I have a 12 year old, a nine year old and a five year old. And, uh, you know, I was some very small little gradual walks, like six weeks out, maybe. <laughs> but I was very fortunate, you know, growing up, my dad is a professor. And so he would go on sabbatical and he would go all over the world. So when we were really young, we would go with him. So you asked, you know, about early memories of the outdoors. I can remember hiking in the Swiss Alps at age five which like nobody gets to do, right? But I was a professor's kid and he had a job at the university for a couple of months. And we got to experience all these crazy things like hiking in the Swiss Alps and, and the French Alps when I was like super, super young. So the opportunity to kind of understand nature in its just sheer glory and beauty was part of my upbringing in a very integral way. Right. Yeah. It just kind of clearly has like shaped you in a way for many, many years. And how about creativity on that end? Like was creativity always a part of you as well? Yes. So when I was a kid, I was dyslexic or I still am. I'm dyslexic. So like school was not an easy place for me, right? Like reading, not so much fun math. I reversed all my numbers. I understood the concepts, but like so school, when I was really little, was really uncomfortable, but I had this insanely active imagination. So like my memory of school that has like the positives are recess and lunch. When I would get to go outside, there was this hill above our classroom in like second and third grade. And, you know, I thought it was huge. I'm sure if I went back today, it would be like, you know, itty bitty tiny. And I had two friends and we would go up on this hill and play imaginary games and, those games, those stories that we were making up in our head, this collective world we were creating became a lifeline for me and became something that just brought me so much joy. Right. Well, and like, see, those are the memories that I think a lot of kids are remembering, especially now in school, as creativity is clearly becoming so important. Like we were talking about before we get on, kids getting outdoors and being outside in nature play that's what kids are needing. And we see more and more kids going to like nature preschools these days, which is great, but it's still something that's lacking in kids' creativity and play skills. And so like, as far as like you getting into creativity and theater, like you have a whole theater background, like at what point in your life did you decide theater is where you want to go? So I did my first show in second grade and I fell in love with this idea that I could get up on stage. I was a pretty shy kid at the time and they're putting on sort of the, the, the superpower cape of a character. I felt comfortable. I felt safe. I didn't have to read, right? I had already memorized the line. I think I had one line. I was playing a, a postman and um, <laughs> in like a second grade play. But I remember so clearly what the feeling of freedom that that gave me. And that freedom was what was also what I was experiencing with my imagination play and how I worked, you know, with imagination play in my backyard up on that hill. So there, it was like, that was what I was always seeking was that place where I felt comfortable and I felt free. And then, you know, I kind of did theater, you know, throughout school 
and it wasn't until high school I started doing, you know, more and more shows and it, you know, got involved in community theater. And I actually started teaching theater when I was 16 years old at a drama camp. And that's where like, I really started to see the power of what it means to help kids ignite their imagination and ignite that creativity and give them tools to be able to have that freedom. Cause I like, rec I recognize that for me that came very easily and I'm very fortunate, but there's a lot of kids out there who can a hundred percent benefit from it, but maybe didn't have the opportunity to try that when they were in second grade or didn't have, you know, a, a place that they could explore and just be and so giving kids those opportunities to feel the world around them through that creative essence has really been a part of me since I was 16. Right. Well, yeah. And I love that you had that experience in second grade going into theater. Like, and especially like you said, like you're like behind this mask. Cause I think that's what so many people, adults and children struggle with is just like self-confidence, especially when you're a kid, like having people laugh at you is like the worst thing ever but I would say as an adult too. But yeah, when you're up on stage, it's so easy when you're, especially in a costume, totally covered up. Nobody knows who you are. So it's kind of your vulnerability is just all there and it's okay. It's all about taking risks. I mean, that's in the end, working in the creative sphere, particularly with kids, it's all about giving them permission and creating a safe space for them to take risks and be vulnerable. And um, you know, in raising my own kids, I will say like my, my five-year-old, she is constantly putting on characters. I mean, it's, we just, it never stops. And, and it's such a beautiful thing to watch, giving her that freedom and that space where if she comes to me and on any given morning, um, right now she's really, during the whole pandemic, she's every day she's a different kind of ninja. We don't know where this came from, but she started as a lightning ninja or a speed ninja. Sometimes she's a unicorn ninja or a rainbow ninja. I mean, they all have specific outfits also, just to be clear, because, you know, you have to have the outfit to match, as you're saying, costume. Right. And if, I, if she comes to me and says, mommy, I'm a speed ninja, watch how fast I can go. And right, she takes off. And in her head, she's a superhero in that moment. And like learning to love and embrace that and asking her questions in character. <gasps> so you today, you're, you're so fast. How did you learn to get to become so fast? And allowing them, allowing kids to explore what they're already creating, but giving them deeper and deeper levels that maybe didn't even occur to them is like one of my favorite things about the littlest of littles in our, with our imagination. Oh my gosh. 100%. Like, and like, yeah, as a preschool teacher, like I do that all the time because you have to get at their own level, at their own world and at their perspective, because in their world, like a unicorn ninja is the best thing ever. Obviously. I mean, it might be the best thing ever in my world too, to be clear. <laughs> I've, I've never gotten to be one. So, although I did spend a couple days, I was a snow ninja, which was pretty cool. Um, she assigned me that role. And uh, apparently I had the power to make it snow wherever I wanted, which is really interesting because we live in California. But anyway, um, <laughs> but you know, I, one of the things I talk to parents a lot about is this idea that for kids, their language is play. 
They learn through play. They learn through imagination. And we as parents, often we start to speak our language, right? We talk about the world from our perspective. We have to get out of the house now. Why? Because I have a meeting in 10 minutes. That is nothing that any child cares about. Yeah, it's they not don't, in their they language. don't know what that is. Exactly. <laughs> right. <laughs> so how do we as parents translate that into their language? How do we use their imaginative powers? How do we use their love of play? Because I mean, I recognize like my oldest was not an imagination kid. He was all about building and creating and making. Like, so each of them has a different language of play, but if we can learn how to embrace that language, it makes it so much easier because you're not trying to constantly speak a foreign language to each other. Exactly. Well, and then it just becomes a battle in the house. And that's probably when stress levels are going to rise in families and chaos can create. So like, what is an example of ways that you just use creativity in the outdoors with your kids? Um, so we use a lot of creativity. So we are as a family, particularly during COVID times, we've always been a family who camps. Like that's just been hiking and camping. All of my kids were camping before they were six months old. Well, that's impressive. See, and you told me that me getting out hiking at three weeks was impressive. But if you camped with all your kids before six months old, that's impressive. <laughs> well, I mean, car camping, just to be clear. Like I wasn't backpacking with them. <laughs> That's still impressive. <laughs> and, you know, so like I, even at that, like really, really little infant stage, there was always these moments where like they would sleep so well because you could tell they just were taking in all of this stimulus, right? They were seeing the trees and the light and the colors and all the things that babies are, you know, what, what is a baby's language? It's taking in all that stimulus. And then like they would sleep and, you know, like on the ground on a tent and I'd be up all night freaking out because, oh my God, they're going to be cold, whatever. And they would sleep so well. So that was kind of my intro to the fact that nature is such a powerful tool for like awakening a child's creative spirit and learning spirit. Yeah, I'm laughing so much because we we took Rory camping too when he was six weeks old. And I was that mom who was freaking out because it was too cold and I was up all night, just like you said you were too, but he was fine. <laughs> totally fine, right? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes, totally fine. And like you said, yeah, it's the fresh air and all of that, all of the sensory around them that they're taking in. So then as my kids got older and particularly during this pandemic, we have been super fortunate to do a ton of camping road tripping. And it's been such an amazing opportunity for all of us to sort of experience the world together. And also for my kids to get out and see all of these things that they never thought they would see. Um, we were in Yellowstone for the very first time, and I'd never been to Yellowstone either, and it was just so gorgeous. And as we're driving in, my daughter Meadow declares- Is this the five-year-old? This is my five-year-old, yes. Um, I want to see wolves, mommy. <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay, I'm pretty sure, you know, re reading the blogs, you'll never see wolves in Yellowstone, right? <laughs> I'm like, okay, sweetie. 
and you know, there's the bison and they're like everywhere and that's so cool. And like, we're totally having this amazing time and seeing all the, like talking about the colors that we see and all of the thermal stuff and what, like just such an incredible time. And we leave and there are no wolves. And Meadow is like really devastated. She's like, mommy, I, I, really, I really wanted to see wolves. So we did start a little journal where she would draw all the animals that we saw on our adventures. And then she would tell me a story about them and I would write it down in her journal so that she could remember each of the different animals. So then we ended up through an amazing opportunity. We ended up in Yellowstone twice in two months, which is glorious and I'm so grateful for. And the second time it was starting to get a little bit colder and we went super early in the morning and we're driving through this field and we see two cars pulled over at the side of the road. And one of the guys has like one of the mega cameras and I just lean out and I'm like, what are you looking at? And they go wolves. So we pull over and there in the meadow are three wolves just hanging out and meadows eyes just like, just huge. And from there on in that trip, everything, she, 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 she saw everything through the eyes of a wolf. She became a wolf. We were a wolf pack. We told stories about wolves. She talked about what the names of the wolves were. I mean, every single thing became this, those wolves became this springboard for just epic novels <laughs> of wolf play. Well, and like, where did the wolf, what was her fascination with finding the wolves even before then like where did that come from my best guess is it came from a wild kratz episode do you know wild kratz i don't so there's this really great pbs show called wild kratz and um it's these two brothers who are like zoologists i think and they teach about animals and she has she loves this show and she has memorized so many animal facts because of it and I'm pretty, I'm guessing that is where the wolf obsession started, but I'm not really sure. I mean, you know, she's five. Obsessions come from all over the place and I never know exactly where they're, they're, they're oriented. <laughs> right, right, totally. But I mean, and I love that, like once she saw them, that was just like the instant switch that it, it, her whole world became that. Yes. Just having to see it for the first time. And I'm sure it was, because see, we were in Yellowstone two years ago too, and we, I think we were at the exact same place you were. I'm blanking on the name of that valley, but we saw three wolves down in that valley and there was all these people with the giant lenses and we also saw bears. And then the wolves were like grazing on, I think it was a dead bison. Like it was, there was a lot going on down there. So you can only imagine the creativity that would have come out of that. <laughs> we would have been acting out, I don't know, eating bison. It would be very exciting. I mean, but also like, such an amazing way to start learning some of the harder things about our world. Yes, we do have cycles of nature and that is actually a part of our world. And we as humans are a part of that. Like what a great doorway to have those hard conversations. And I think, you know, sort of playing that nature and that creativity at the same time gives you so many opportunities for those kinds of conversations. Um, we had another moment where we were in South Dakota and um, 
we got to see prairie dogs, which are so much fun and they're so cute. And, you know, they, they have all of these underground tunnels and they're really connected as a community. And my nine-year-old was talking about how, you know, that the underground tunnels, you know, that that was kind of like our family, like we all are connected like that mommy. And, you know, just making these amazing connections as, as, you know, filtering it through their eyes. It's really, I mean, as an adult, it's just, it's kind of awe-inspiring. Well, right. Because we, I think as adults can get so caught up in our own busyness of life and seeing things through a child's own perspective can really, you know, slow you down. I mean, I only have a baby yet. I feel like I've slowed down so much to his own perspective in his own world now that it's even like helped me just see things a little more calmly and with a little more clarity, but I can only imagine like having an 11 year old talk about the tunnels and families and all that. I mean, that's, yeah, that is really a beautiful eye-opening thing to have. And I think also as adults, you know, giving ourselves the space to breathe and as you say, to slow down in some ways, it's easier to slow down with a baby because they force you to. And then as the kids get older, it gets more and more hectic and you've got the activities and the carpools and the this and the that and the birthday parties and the swim team and the, and one of the things that I love about bringing my kids into nature is that it forces all of us to slow down. There's no electronics. <laughs> you know, if we want to communicate, we're using we're we're using our mouths, we're communicating, we're talking, we're not texting with each other. <laughs> and you have that moment where you can just take that deep breath and give yourself the time to see the world through their eyes, which is so powerful. Right. So like do you have a rule in your own household where you guys like put technology away in order to connect and be creative too? Cause it's so easy when you're out in nature, like you just said, it's so easy. Cause a lot of the times in those places, you don't even have service. So you're really forced to do that. But do you ever do that in your own household with how creative you guys are? So this is an excellent question because I think during the pandemic, there's been this, like every parent has felt this push and pull. I mean, I am the first to tell you my kids are doing more screen time now than they ever did before the pandemic, without a doubt. And I also really think it's critical that we as parents allow ourselves to let go of guilt around that. Like we're doing our best everyone is doing our best. What we've been living through is not natural and not normal. And our community and our village hasn't been able to support us in the same way. That being said, we have a lot of really open and honest conversations about electronics. Like we talk about the fact that iPad games are giving our brains dopamine hits. And we literally explain what that is. So we tried at certain points to just be like, no electronics until blank. You know. And what I've discovered is that those rules, at least in this past year, have been really hard for everyone. But when we keep it an open, honest conversation, and I'll say, hey, you know, guys, I'm noticing that we haven't played a board game in a while. Could we, what, what would that, what would it be like if we, if we made the choice to do some board games this week? 
And they're like completely game because we've talked about how to do it. And we've, 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 we've talked about the, um, the, both the, the good, I mean, to be honest, like my boys, the way they have been socializing during this pandemic is by playing online with their friends. They call each other on FaceTime. They're in the same worlds and they're playing together. But we also like want to find that balance. So that's where, you know, the fact that I have a lot of creativity sort of tool tools in my back pocket, I'm sure, you know, as a preschool teacher, you have the same kind of language, right? We can, at any moment, we can pull out a game. We can use music. We can use song. Oh yeah, music. I sing all day long. <laughs> All day long, right? Like, you know, let's have a dance party. Why not? Uh, you know, <laughs> and then, you know, finding how you can make everything into a game. All of these tools are things that folks who work in preschools and early childhood education and those of us who work in the creative arts, like we just have those in our back pockets and so many parents don't. And that's where, like, for me, it's so important to start talking about creativity as a tool for giving parents more ease and more joy as they parent. Absolutely. And I think like with going outside too, like we were talking about, like when kids can go outside, like, you know, you don't need a lot of toys and manipulatives when you go outside. And, you know, this has been a challenge for me and cause our preschool turned to like an outdoor preschool this year. And like, you know, a lot of the times as a preschool teacher, you think of all these things you need in a room, but outside you don't need that. And like you said, before we got on was that's when creativity really does start. Absolutely. They're kind of forced to do that. We have one of the, my favorite activities that Meadow loves to do is what she calls nature art where we go in the backyard or if we're hiking, she collects things and then we come back home and she arranges them on paper in these like remarkable, like aesthetically balanced ways where I'm like, that's it. Like if this was in at the San Francisco Museum of Modern Art, we'd be like ooing and eyeing and going, my goodness, this is worth millions, right? Cause it's so interesting how her brain, you know, takes a stick and a leaf and each one she considers it with such detail and it's so exciting for me to see her developing her aesthetic vocabulary because of the fact that we're just out in nature and collecting stuff, right? It's not about, you know, some fancy thing that makes noise and goes beep, beep, beep and makes you do all sorts of, you know, specific drawing and specific, you know, tracing of letters. Like they're going to learn all that stuff. Not worried about that. But do they know how to create something that they are excited about? Do they know how to look at a leaf and go, that's a different color green than this leaf. That's interesting. Exactly. Exactly. Or just like find a hill and climb up a hill like you did when you were a kid, like climb up a hill and just feel so powerful because you're going up this giant hill and have this imagination that you can't really get when you're sitting in a classroom learning how to write letter A, B, C. I mean, that's something so regimented. Yeah. And there, you know, there's a place for that regimented, you know, learn this way. But I also think that there is a place for the learn through expansive, the learn through just exploration. Um, my, my middle one, 
is a climber. Like he's been a climber since he was as the same age as yours. I mean, like he's he was climbing to the top bunk of his brother's bunk bed before he could walk. So he's that kid. Um, and when we go out hiking, his barometer is, is there a rock I can get to the top of? And it, like, you know, so like the rest of us are maybe, you know, looking at views and vistas, like he is looking for where can I boulder? And this thing happens when he gets to, when he, it's like he gets to it and then he has this whole incredible process where he has to figure out how to get up. And that is engineering. That is a creative process. You have to figure out you know, which, which handhold's gonna work, which foothold, how do I, how do I get around this weird thing of moss? Oh, there's a stick there. I better not run into it. And like watching him develop that over the years, because he started this when he was really little, and develop that skill set of finding the path to the top of the boulder. And then he gets up there and you see the pride in his eyes. He did it. He created that path and he create he made it possible for him to get to the top of that boulder. I mean, like, yeah, we can we can spend all day learning and doing worksheets. But you're never going to see a kid have that kind of sense of pride. For sure. And those are like real life examples in real world situations that people are going to run into, especially if you're raising a child to be part of your outdoor family. Like those are things that you're going to run into. And exactly the pride and the feelings. And when you have those feelings as a young child, those are going to carry over into your adulthood too. Yes. So, I mean, how do you think having creativity in your house, like it's clearly helped the confidence of your kids, but what else has it done for your own children and your relationship with your children? So the, there's a lot of benefits. Um, one of the things that I think is most connected to being outdoors is having and sort of living a creative life is letting go of perfection. That idea that we have to control an outcome. I mean, Anyone who has camped with a child knows you are no longer in control. <laughs> but the creative process as a whole is all about letting go of perfection because there is no such thing as perfect. It just doesn't exist. It's about having a concept, a vision, going through a process to create what it is you're envisioning and then seeing what that outcome is on the bottom. And what that outcome is, is never gonna look like what you envisioned. So the whole uh, process of, the, of, of creativity and, and going through the artistic process, by definition, you have to learn to let go of that perfection. Gosh, yeah, that's a really powerful statement. And I think that's probably something really hard for a lot of adults too, because we have the internet, which gives us all of these ideas and all of these images and all of these things that what it should look like to, you know, the perfect, perfect camping setup with your child, the perfect hiking setup with your child, the perfect home setup with your child, all of these perfect things that look perfect on camera but in reality, like you said, it doesn't always end up like that. It's messy. But we're just bombarded with that type of stuff. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm, I like social media. I'm on Instagram. It's fun. It's interesting. But at the same time, I think it has done no services to those of us who are raising kids and 
trying to just do our best day by day because it is, we, we are surrounded by images of perfection and that is just not what reality looks like ever. And if you're pushing for that, if you think you can control it, it just, that's when the yelling starts. That's when the, the tension starts. That's when kids start beating themselves up because they think they've somehow failed when in fact they are learning beings they have to make mistakes. They have to fail. I mean, that's another, you know, speak in the world of what is great about taking your kids into nature and how it connects to creativity. Giving them the opportunity to fail is the best thing ever. It is a gift to, you know, my, my middle, my, my middle one, Robbie, like he loves to climb those boulders and sometimes he can't make it to the top and sometimes he falls. And you know what? That's an amazing gift too. We often overlook it. Absolutely. Because I think, you know, we are as parents and as teachers too, like we want to help the children stay safe and protect them. So like, you know, when we're walking over like a big sheet of ice outside with my classroom, a lot of the kids just want to run over it. And, you know, some of them have fallen and learned. And now those ones walk very slowly over the ice. You can see them tiptoeing and taking their time, but adults learn through experience and the kids are. And if we're just gonna be telling them our own perspectives in our own, in our own minds all the time, that's not gonna teach them anything necessarily. You have to learn through your own experience of having to fall. <laughs> Exactly. And so another benefit of having sort of a creative lens in your parenting is exactly that trust and independence, right? You as the adult, watch your child learn and grow and create. And so you see what they're capable of and the child themselves sees what they're capable of. So they are feeling, they're willing to feel independent and the parent trusts to let them explore their independence. Obviously, you know, at an age appropriate level, you have to know where they're at. There's a, a very big difference between the kind of trust and independence I can have with my 12 year old that I can have with my five year old. But it's increments and it's small, but, and watching that process of, I can do this, gives both the parent and the child this sort of reciprocal experience of trusting and independence. So do you think that like the outdoors has helped you in that parenting aspect in that way? Like without the outdoors, would that be more challenging to see that view as a parent? I think the outdoors has definitely helped with that trust independence. I mean, just things as simple as, you know, watching your kid go on a hike that feels like it could be longer than they are comfortable with and seeing that they're going to push through. And yeah, sometimes it gets real uncomfortable. And that's where it's been really fun for me to be able to pull out my creativity toolkit. I mean, when the boys were little, we, every time we would hike, I would tell stories about, so their names are Toby and Robbie. So we had a whole series of stories about Roby and Toby. And so when we would get to that point in the hike that it would just start to get a little uncomfortable, right? They would get a little scared. Maybe I feel uncomfortable. Maybe we should turn back. You know, we would start a story and they would be able to keep walking because they were engaged in the story and would be able to breathe through their own discomfort. So there's a lot of ways that nature and creativity talk to each other. 
Oh my gosh. I love that you just said that because sometimes even when I am going on really long hikes or I'm on like, like paddling in a canoe and on like a really scary paddle, I just start singing to myself and just singing all these positive, happy thoughts. And then I magically feel so much better. And it's just like this mind control thing. Oh, it's completely, I, I, I've hiked Half Dome twice in my life. And both times I would get to the, those, the, the last section, it's scary. For me, that is very scary. And I would sing my way up twice. I have sung my way up and sung my way down Half Dome because it's using your brain in a different way, right? If your brain is having, is, is, is it's in essence distracting your brain, but in a really healthy way so that it doesn't have time to focus and get just, you know, trapped in your lizard brain, you know, oh, I'm in trouble. Oh no, oh no, I'm going to tense my body. I'm going to only focus on the danger. Well, that's not going to help you. We got to stay calm. We got to stay focused. Oh, I'm going to sing a song. I love that you sing happy thoughts. That's really cool. <laughs> And I just like sing my way through baby life too, <laughs> for sure. I mean, oh yeah, that's the best. <laughs> that stuff just, you know, you gotta make life enjoyable and creativity definitely does that for me. So I'm curious, do you ever like have parents who just come up to you? I don't know if you like work directly with parents more so or kids more, but like, do you ever have parents who just have like something holding them back, like going back to that perfectionism thing. And like, how do you get to those parents in order for them to reach their children's creativity sparks? I would say a lot of parents are blocked in this. You know, maybe they're comfortable in like one thing. Maybe they're comfortable you know, singing or maybe they're comfortable doing an, you know, a, a fun free art project, or maybe they're comfortable playing games, but to, to be able to have the full spectrum of creative play is very challenging because at a certain point in most of adult, our adult life, you know, when we were kids, we started putting labels on ourselves. Oh, I can't draw. Oh, I'm not an artist, right? All of the, I can't sing. I mean, how often do we hear? And then we say these things out loud to our kids and they just believe us, Right. I will say everybody can sing. A song is just making noise in your mouth and we do that all day long. Everybody can dance. Dancing is just moving your body in a way that feels comfortable and that expresses something. But to get to that, because you're absolutely right, a lot of adults and parents are sort of blocked. My first question will be, how did you play as a kid? Because if you start with that, if you start with a, you know, oh, I, I was a sports kid. Oh, good. So you like games. Let's grow that. And from there, we can grow into other kinds of creative creativity and creative play so that it's almost like, you know, you're, you're easing in to, with something that already feels connected to your own language of play. Right. It's something that you're familiar with because entering the unknown and unfamiliar can be scary no matter what it is. I mean, it's scary to go on a hike you've never been on down a path you've never been on. It's if you've never been on a backpacking trip, that's scary. So like you said, something you are familiar with and your own language is going to make it so much easier. I love that that's kind of your way of working them through that. And, you know, to connect back to nature, I think one of the biggest challenges that our generation of parents has is that 
we have these little devices in our hands all day long that we call phones, but let's be real. Nobody actually talks on the phone with them anymore. We text, we check our email, we are we have a few million notifications from all the social media. We are in we are in constant distraction mode. So going into nature becomes really important because it reconnects us with our inner child and our inner play and can put a stop to some of that distraction, which makes it harder. It makes it harder to connect to your child because it's harder to connect to yourself. Absolutely. Yeah. I just sent my classroom of kids on a little scavenger hunt in the woods. And it was like all this like camping scavenger hunt that they had to go find tents and backpacks and camping blankets and sleeping bags and all of this stuff. And just thinking about how excited they were to go out there and find the things. Like it was such a simple thing. Like go look for the picture of a sleeping bag hiding in a tent. Yet like they got so excited about like the most simple things. And then they like started acting out some of the camping things like with, with no equipment either. Like these are pieces of paper, but they started literally acting out what it was like to go camping and started like pretend building fires. And it's just like the amazing moments that can come from something so simple. When I first started teaching preschoolers, so this was probably in my 20s, I, I, there, I had this one experience that pretty much changed my universe in terms of understanding the brilliance of children. I was teaching a class, it was a drama class for preschoolers, and we were going on a imagination adventure, which was how I taught this class. Each time we would go on an imagination adventure, and this particular week, it was camping. So we got our, our, our imaginary backpacks out and everybody got to suggest something that we could put in our imaginary backpack. And so, you know, one kid suggested that we put in a sleeping bag. Another one said, oh, well, we need marshmallows. And, you know, I got all these suggestions and this little guy in the corner pipes up and says, we need a baby dragon. And I was like, yes. I mean, as an actor, I'm taught, yes, yes, and. So I was like, yes, we totally need a baby dragon can you tell me what we're going to do with the baby dragon? And he looks at me in all seriousness and says, how else are we going to start the fire for the s'mores? Right? I mean, this is where, when I start to think about the power of imagination and the power of play, talk about problem solving. Like what adult would come up with that? You know, if we were doing, a, a, you know, let's imagine we're going on a camping trip. What would you bring? Like, you know, we'd get, oh, well, we need the, the matches and we need the tent. And we, there would be no baby dragon, but life is so much more interesting with a baby dragon. <laughs> yes. Yes, it totally is. Right. The fire breathing baby dragon. And you can't take a big dragon because it wouldn't fit in the backpack. I mean, everything about it made so much sense. And this is where, when I talk about the benefits of creativity, like talk about developing the creative thinkers of the 21st century. Like what do, what does, what does our future need to solve all of the problems that we are sadly dumping on our children? We need creative thinkers. We need the person who's going to walk in the room and says, okay, where's the baby dragon? Right. And somebody else who's going to say yes and to that and build on it. And to me, that is the power of 
dreaming about a, be- a brighter future. I mean, honestly, like I know that sounds really big and overwhelmed, but like that's my hope for the future is if we can have creative thinkers who are gonna help us solve all of the problems that we have right now and we've put we've given them opportunities to go out in nature and they can appreciate the beauty that is our planet earth i think we we can we can solve some problems i really do absolutely and you know that baby dragon child is probably an engineer now doing amazing things all fingers crossed i bet you that is correct So I know you created these like boxes over the pandemic, these creativity boxes that get sent out to families. Can you kind of talk about those? Cause those look so, so simple yet so magical for families. Yes. So Bay Area Children's Theater, which is the nonprofit organization I founded with friends 17 years ago, uh, we are a theater company. So, you know, for years we put on shows for family audiences, professional adult shows based on children's literature, and we would turn them into musicals and then kids and families would come and see them. We love what we do. And then a pandemic hit. And when Broadway shuts down, you know, your industry is in trouble. So we pivoted to creating audio-based musical adventures where kids are listening to the story and then it comes with what we call an adventure kit, which is basically like a subscription box. It comes to your door and it has all of these elements that help bring the story to life. So for the littlest kids, we have um, you know a story based on Itsy Bitsy Spider. And so there's a spider puppet. So you can become Itsy. And there's another moment where you can um, you, you become a squirrel and you go and you find acorns. So we have acorns. So there's interactive moments that you can actually have physically tangible things. And then there's this great music and, and, and ways for to be activating your imagination just by listening. I love that. And it's just like something so, it's just a spider puppet, but just like the kids seeing that spider puppet is going to spark like 800 different ideas. And especially for the kids that need something physical, that's also going to help them too. Because not every kid can think that creatively and that imaginatively. But something like a spider puppet is very concrete and going to help them think in that sense. Exactly. So it anchors them. So the, the boxes, they're called play on. And they, we also have ones for older kids where um, by older, I mean, five, like five and up where the child listening becomes the story, the, the, the hero of the story. So they're um, secret agents and they need to save the world from something catastrophic, like the entire town being flooded by hot fudge sauce. And as the audio comes in, they are talking to you. Your name is Agent 11 because you're a secret spy and giving instructions like, hey, Agent 11, I think the, you know, in this case, the, the bad guy's name is Meltdown. I think Meltdown's in the next room. We better run, go. And the kid listening literally is moving their body and running and jumping and diving. And, you know, the more that we can get kids to be active as they're thinking and imagining I mean, that's just a double win. Well, yeah. You know, the more you can get me to be active, the more imagination I'm going to have too. It goes the exact same for adults. Like when we're sitting down and feeling so drained by a screen, just get up for 10 minutes. And then like you magically feel so refreshed and rejuvenated and have all these great ideas. (laughs) So true. I mean, there have been so many days when I've just been, you know, 
whatever, seven hours of Zoom and just feeling so drained. And then I just walk outside and go for just a small walk. And I see these flowers and it's so beautiful. And it changes everything. I mean, it changes it, it changes your chemistry of you know of your your biochemistry of your brain. And I hope that people, as we come out of this pandemic, like I think a lot of people have have really taken advantage of the outdoors during this time because we didn't have any other choices. And I hope people hold on to that. I hope people realize if I you know early on during you know March, April, and May when we were all in um, complete shelter in place. I would wake up my boys sometimes at like 5.45, 6 a.m. And we would go on walks and we would watch the sunrise. And those are some of the most magical memories I think I'll ever have. Wow. And like, I mean, that's, did they enjoy waking up that earlier? Or was it more like once they were up, they enjoyed it. But like, (laughs) did, did it just become the norm for you guys? I mean, it wasn't every day. This was like once a week. And yeah, I mean, the first one, they were, they were like, mommy's crazy, but they're also used to mommy being crazy. Like <laughs> that's, that's, that's just part of our existence. Um, but they were excited to experience it and see it and have big, long conversations about things that we don't normally talk about and just be. Yeah. Well, and you said your boys are 12 and how old? 12 and nine. Okay. And I don't have 12 and nine year olds, but I feel like when they get to reach that age, it can maybe become a little harder to connect with kids when they're getting older. So by being in such a creative parent, you're probably going to always find ways to connect with them. Maybe you'll really have to stretch that line. Yeah. (laughs) we'll see you know I mean a teenager my my old my oldest is I'm I'm almost the mom of a teenager like he turns 13 really really soon um teenagers like they are programmed to start separating from us and that's exactly what they should be doing so my hope is that because we have developed a, a you know sort of this happiness through connection from our creative experiences, from our outdoor experiences, that that connection is there regardless of what's happening in the rest of his world. If we can have a moment where we can go outside and walk and look at a tree and watch a sunrise, that's a win. That's all I need. It doesn't have to be all day long. It doesn't have to be 24 hours a day of creative energy. Like he's going to be on his computer. He's going to be on his phone. He's gonna like, that's all, that's what he's supposed to be doing. So let's find those, those mini moments. Right. Those simple moments. And like, I was looking at your blog too. And I loved the one about like the family, what'd you call it? Getting your family values, creating your values in four easy steps and yes. just like writing them down on paper and just using paint or whatever it is that you have. And then mod podging it. And like that's something so easy that can be done in any household. And I was laughing really hard because we're in the process of like downsizing a lot of our items and moving. Um, we're going to go like travel for the summer and sell our house. Awesome. And mm, amazing. One of the things that I'm keeping is Mod Podge <laughs> because Mod Podge is so magical and so valuable. 
Mod Podge is the best and it's so easy. You do not have to be an incredible Matisse artist in order to be, you, know, you just go for it and it looks great. And But the, the value stuff, you know, there's so many of these parenting books out there and they're like, oh, you need to, you know, Think of your pet, your your family as an organization. We're going to make our mission and our vision and our values. And like, I actually completely agree with all of that. Like a hundred percent, I'm on board. I'm on board with family meetings, all of it. I think it's great. But if you take it seriously, if you come at it from this perspective of this is important, we have to do this in a certain way. Like the child isn't going to connect with that. Like, let's make it fun. Let's make it light. How do we use play? How is this a game? Then all of a sudden coming up with family values isn't about some difficult process. It becomes joyful. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And I just like that. It's like every, everyone's involved in that sense. And then it looks like you guys like all teared up the paper and put it all in like one big pile. Like it's an activity any age child can do. Absolutely. No, everybody painted and and the instruction on paint was put on the paper colors or patterns that excite you. That's it. Right. It wasn't about like, please paint me a a perfect, you know, dog right now. Um, No, it's like, what, what color excites you? Oh, cool. That's great. And then, yeah, we literally cut them all up and then we paste them all down so that the end product where we then put the word that we've decided, you know, gratitude, adventurous on there, it's literally on top of all of our work, which is together and in, in, you know, beautiful, messy unification. Yeah, (laughs) no, it's so beautiful. And I loved it. And it just made me laugh so much because I was like, keep in Mod Podge. Yes, it's valuable. And then I read your article and I was just that much more excited that I'm keeping the Mod Podge in my moving process. (laughs) absolutely at Mod Podge, you know, forever. (laughs) Yes. So I do kind of want to hear about like your journey of starting the theater company. You said you started it with friends. Yeah. So, uh, at age 25, I was working as an actor educator and I had studied children's theater in college and I was driving in a truck one day with a a friend who had also studied children's theater. And we were talking and we're like, why isn't there a great children's theater here in the Bay Area the same way that there is in Seattle and Minneapolis and Phoenix and all these places we had studied. And we kind of were like, hmm, well, you know, if you ever want to start a company, let's talk. And a couple months later, I sent what would have been an AOL instant message, uh, which dates me beautifully, uh, saying, hey, remember that idea we talked about? Let's do it. So we collected, there were five of us and we spent six months sort of sitting around a table and dreaming. And then we made a show happen. And the very, very first show, we were super excited when there were more people in the audience than there were on stage. What was the very first show? Uh, The very first show we created ourselves and it was called Heroes. And it was about sort of unusual heroes, people who were unexpected. Um, And then we did our our very first big show was uh, based on Junie B. Jones, one of the Junie B. Jones books, which are at the time were very popular and are still very popular in a lot of classrooms. And 
we did three performances. And I remember so distinctly, there was like a line around the theater for tickets. And we had to send kids like away because it was sold out. And like, I was like, oh my God, I'm sending children away. What's happening? Um, and then from there, I mean, we, we really grew from, from nothing until, um, you know, before the shutdown, we were reaching about 170,000 people per year. So it, we grew a lot. Wow. And do you think like, I mean, theater can sometimes get kind of sideswiped in terms of like funding and everything. Like, I mean, I know music and art, that's kind of like put on the back burner in schools too. So, I mean, was there a struggle to start the theater with funding or everything, or is it, is that different out in California? It is exactly the same in California. Um, It was a slow process. I mean, for, you know, the first eight, nine years of the company existing, I worked three of the three other jobs. Um, you know, so it was a very slow growth process and it really grew because of the enthusiasm in our community. I mean, people just demanded more. They were like, I want to see these shows. What you're doing is really amazing. I love coming with my kids. And the more that we had the community support and supportive teachers we were able to start building up the funding and all of the other parts that are needed in order to have a, you know, a strong thriving arts organization. Yeah. You know, that's so interesting that it's such a, it's probably like a big funding problem across all the country. And that kind of makes me think like, that's maybe one of the reasons as to why so many parents who aren't educators, creative theater people have like this vision that it's hard to get creative because society is telling us that the arts isn't important. Yeah. I mean, if you look at the amount of funding, you know, at say an average high school that a football or a basketball team gets, and then look at the amount of funding at the same high school that the jazz band or the musical gets, you're talking about a different realm. And that those messages, those, they come through loud and clear to kids as, you know, as early as preschoolers. So you know, I love what you're saying about how you guys, you know, turned yourselves into a nature preschool, right? Because what that's t- teaching those kids is that they have the power to create. You don't need anything more. Go outside, use your imagination. You have that power. And the more that we can make sure that the whole universe knows and understands that we all have the power to create, it's going to raise the value of the arts in our community. Absolutely. Yeah. They do have so much power to create when they're in that room because, or that nature classroom, we send them home so dirty sometimes. (laughs) That is the sign of success. Absolutely. They just had the best day, smiling, bright faces. They go home in mud and sopping wet. And just had the best day ever. Love it. It's amazing. (laughs) Awesome. If people wanted to learn more about you and your whole theater aspect, where can people find you? They can find me um, online at ninameehan.com and at creativeparenting.net. The uh, Play On Kits are available at playonkit.com. And then on Instagram, at nmehan. Awesome. Thank you so much. This was super fun. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. (music) 
You've been listening to the Hiking Through Life podcast. Peace, love, and hike through life.